We sift through the highs and lows of the Champions League match day two, the implications of midweek victories in England, and look forward to your favorite English Premier League club and what they have in store in match day eight, culminating in a matchup between the two best sides in England. I'm Redbeard. This is Targo. This is an all-new episode of Bruise and Banter FC, and it starts right now. All right. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, hit that notification bell below. Give us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you check out our Facebook, our Instagram, our TikTok, our YouTube channel, and our Redbubble for some sweet merch. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Let's get to know y'all better. Help comment on all of our videos. Let us know... What grinds your gears? <laughs> you I'd grind my gears sometimes. <laughs> I, all the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> all right, Targo. Into really what matters. What are you drinking today? I am drinking Elysian Brewing Hazy 96. Ooh. Tindy Pale Ale. I have not had that one. It says 12 ounces of HD beer technology. Mm-hmm. Coming to you. Oh, it's got a whole description it. there, but. Don't read it. It says it's got tropical fruit aromas. That's all you really need to know. Yeah, I mean, it's a hazy for you. We'll see. I had a little sip during that intro, so I I did taste it already. (laughs) That is good. Good. I would get this again. Food in a box. It's not super hoppy. it's, It's more of a fruity hazy than, you know. Good. I know that's what you like, so. And that's why I got it. <laughs> I okay, you ready? I solid eight and a half out of ten. Ooh, eight and a half. I might have to pick myself up one of those. You're it is good. Can yeah. unveiling. I've been speaking this one up all week. You have. have not seen this can. Okay, so it is rock solid IPA, hazy IPA from Mason Ale Works. This is part of the, I think it's the... What is it? Immortal series. So if you can see that. Is that the rock guy from Fantastic Four? Yes, it is. And make it so you can see it even better. Bam! There we go. Alright, I haven't tried it. I almost took a sip and I was like, no, I can't. I gotta wait. At least we wore different Arsenal jerseys, but then both got hazy IPAs. <laughs> yeah, right? Not to mention gotta the, be the like, same as something. 15 pumpkin beers in my fridge right now. Hey. How is it? Well, it's strong. I think it's 8%. Um, Ooh, spicy. You know, to be honest with you, it's okay. I, uh, with it being more of a citrus hazy, I was on the fence. Would buy again? 100%, yeah, that's... It's strong, like you can tell it's a strong beer, but it's got very light flavor. So, I would go, yeah, 8, eight out of 10. 8 out of 10. Ooh, we yeah. got some good ones today. I know. All right, Targo, into the news. And episode 582 of how FIFA can mess up the World Cup. 
You ready for it? Ooh, how they announced the host of the, of the 2030 World Cup. Uh, it's apparently going to take place over two continents. The host sites are Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. But wait, there's more. Also to mark the 100-year anniversary of the World Cup, which originally took place in Uruguay, the first three games will be hosted by Uruguay, Argentina, and Paraguay, making it actually three continents. Thoughts. Yeah, you got South America, Europe, and then Morocco's Northern, Africa. From... Northern Africa, yeah. That's... <laughs> Izzy's got some issues with it there, it seems like. I know. Um, I, that's going to be difficult, I guess, if you want to go see the World Cup. You're going to have to pick a country and go, and hopefully your country and the team you want to see is at the same place. I, mean, I guess you can go to a team for their specific place, but if I'm being honest, I'd like to go to Spain or Portugal. Same for me. It, it's more for the players, like the amount of travel involved with that. Like it's and 48, you know, teams in a World Cup. They're obviously not thinking about the players at all. Do you think they're going to keep them all within the same vicinity? But I guess if, for well, example, I I do know that the Uruguay. Argentina and Paraguay automatically qualify now. Yeah. And then you got Spain, Portugal, Morocco automatically qualify. So I don't know. It, it's interesting. It is interesting. And like you said, you know, travel, where's the final going to be? If, if you have a country that's been playing all their games in Europe, now all of a sudden they have to go to South America or vice versa. You know, that's. It's a long ways to travel. Yeah. I don't like it, if I'm being honest. I, I, I'm not a fan of it either. Like, I almost don't like the three countries with the U.S., Mexico, I, and Canada. I don't I don't either, and I also don't like 48 teams. Like, you're just, that's so many more players, so many more games. It's absolutely ridiculous. That is wild. All right, next up, we have a continuation of what happened last weekend with all of our VAR Ooh. drama. Liverpool the audio came out, man. It did. Did you did you see it? I did. They even tried to stop play. To <laughs> well, say they it knew was they the fucked up. Thing. Is the thing they're like, fuck. Like they they say yeah. it during Yeah. And then the ref's like, Well, there's nothing I can do about it. Yes, there is. Stop play. Stop the game. Stop the game. I mean, Anyways. we would be talking about it, but it wouldn't be as bad. No, not at all. But Liverpool will seek to have it replayed, their match against Tottenham, as long as an independent commission finds that the sporting integrity of the match was at stake. And you know what? To be honest with you, with some of the calls in that game, you probably could say, yeah. There's a there's definitely... Um, Liverpool's got an argument there. I mean, looking at it, look, you know, without the context of, I guess, how they missed the goal. It looks terrible, and yes, I would say, a little little fishy there. But I don't think there is, man. I think it's just human idiocy at its finest. Yeah, for me, I mean, it goes all the way back to last season, right? You get, you know, against Arsenal, against Brentford, you get a guy drawing the wrong line on the wrong person and pretty much takes three points away from Arsenal. It's happened a couple of other times. I think it was, was it Newcastle that happened to as well? Brighton, it definitely did. Yeah, but I know the Brighton one, for example, that was more of a foul that wasn't seen. Yeah. Either way, 
it's more of the like should these matches be replayed from that point and i'll be completely honest yes it makes sense to do it but also no it doesn't because there's already so many games happening so why why would you want to play another essentially game There, and there's some big what ifs here, obviously. Like, what if this had been the final game of the season and cost Liverpool the title or cost them yeah. a Champions League spot, which then cost them hundreds of millions of pounds? And and so it's, yeah, like I said, they, they should have stopped it, man. It, it still was against the protocol, I guess, but it would have been a worse mistake than what we have now. Yeah. And I mean, if Liverpool do win this argument and they do get a replay, it's going to set a precedent for everything thereafter. And Arsenal, Brighton fans, probably. Our next episode? Hmm. Three ways to fix VAR. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Because there's definitely more than than three ways. (laughs) (laughs) A few ways, whatever ways, however many we come up with. But I think think that'll be fun. How we can fix VAR, bruise and banter. Love it. Addition. Yeah, make sure to comment below how you guys think that VAR should be fixed. Because I'm sure there's a plethora of options here. Because it ain't working right now, that's for sure. That is for sure. So moving on, we had some Champions League games here, my my friend. Champions League was back, match day two. First up, we had Union Berlin against Braga. Germany Ooh. against Portugal. This one was a thriller, too, I might add. It ended 3-2 in favor of Braga. Which we both got wrong, as we thought <laughs> Union Berlin would take this one. It was in Germany. Oh, how we were mistaken. Yeah. But Geraldo Becker scores the first ever Champions League goal. But Braga came back from behind twice to win this game. And there is a golazo in this one, man. Bruma scores an absolute banger. Yeah. I mean, corner gets played in, headed out, gets settled, pass to Bruma. First time, upper V. Hmm. Chef's kiss where the spiders lay their eggs. It was beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, Braga, they got that winner in stoppage time. It was a close one. Nail biter. With only seconds left. It seems like it was the last kick of the game. It was. <laughs> and it not the only one this week. It was not. Not in this Champions League <laughs> round, man. There was a lot of last minute winners. <laughs> Those extra stoppage times are uh, showing lots of goals. Yes. I do feel like Union Berlin could have won this game, though. They had chances, but could not kill the game off. Yeah, I agree. And so with that result, man, Union Berlin, they are last in Group C with zero points. Braga up to third with three points. And we'll get to the other two teams in that group here a little later, but... Not looking good for Union Berlin. No, it's not. And, you know, for their first time out in the Champions League, yeah, there's going to be nerves, but that's the second game in a row that they've blown a lead, or at least having it tied and then giving up the game late on. late winner. Yeah. So moving on to a game we did get right, Inter versus Benfica. This one was played in Italy. This one came out 1-0 to Inter. Yeah, which we 
like I said, we got right. How many goals should Inter have scored in this one? I would say four or five. I mean, Lotaro Martinez should have had a hat trick, but he hit the post three times in the span of like five minutes. It was absolutely insane. He couldn't buy a goal. And then he was one-on-one with the keeper. Saved. Crossbar. Post. Saved. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know. So this was a replay, though. Was it the quarterfinals? I think it was quarterfinals. Round of 16? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same result. Same result. Enter moving on. Yep. But, man, that ball from Nicolo Barella to uh, Denzel Dumfries, who then crossed it for Marcus to Ram's goal. Oh. And you didn't have him in your top 10 midfielders. I didn't. I did not have Varela up there, man. (laughs) All right. So moving on to a game we probably had an eye on because it affects our uh, beloved Arsenal. It was PSV and Sevilla. This one ended in a draw, which I correctly guessed, but you called PSV. Were PSV a little hard done by in this one? Or should it Sevilla have gotten the win? I think they they got outplayed in this one, I'll be honest with you. There's some controversy in it as well, and I think Sevilla probably deserved the three points. I feel like Sevilla were very unlucky, man. Yeah, I mean, to look at with a handball, I mean, defender kicks it, and it hits the hand of the attacker, which is right around his genitals. Bro was just protecting his nuts, man. Saw the ball coming, had had to flinch a little. How do you, like, yes, I understand the rule of the law is if, you know, you make a forward advance that leads to a goal after it hits off a hand, it's a handball. But his hand is on his body, protecting himself from further harm. His little boy. I don't understand how that's a handball. <laughs> so here, here's what I'll say. You're right. I don't think it's handball. The handball rule in the Champions League is, I'll say it's clear. When it hits a hand, you know it's coming back. Yep. Which is not like that in the Premier League, where sometimes they're given, sometimes they're not. So I will say that as a positive. You know a handball is getting called back. It doesn't matter if it was intentional, unintentional, an accident. If you had even your hand tucked into your body, if it hits it, they're going to call it. Even if your hand is moving the other way and going behind your body, it's still going to call it. It doesn't matter. And so I guess... I do like that aspect of it, is you know you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And that's much better per- than never knowing what you're going to get. Like, was that a handball? I don't yeah. know. To me, yes. To you, no. Mm-hmm. To UEFA, it's always a handball. <laughs> <laughs> but Sevilla scored first in the 68th minute against the run of play. And I will say, all the goals came in the last, what was it? Well, the first goal is in the 68th, and then there's three more. Yeah, it was like the last 22 or so minutes. It's all four goals. It's like, let the floodgates open, and now we're not playing defense. (laughs) Yeah, PSV's first goal was a PK. I thought they got harshly done on that one as well. PK was committed by Ramos. I thought the player was going down before he even touched him. It certainly looked like it, yeah. Like, his leg goes out and then comes back before I think he even touches him. And the player goes down. But Luke de Jong, man, steps up, converts it, and then right off the kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Like, it was like four passes. The ball was already in the back of the net in this series with a header. 
Everyone thought Sevilla had won it. This was it. Nope. I was watching this live, and they hadn't even stopped replaying the last goal before the ball was in the net. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then another another late goal. PSV equalized through Jordan Teze. Yeah. Header off corner. Right at the death. I do think Sevilla should have won this game. I thought they were harshly done again by that PK call and the goal call back for that yeah. handball. If he would have just left his hand, man, it would have been a nutball instead. And yeah, well, I mean, we all know what happens when that happens. I mean, you go, you go down. You can't breathe. You're not running. So <laughs> there's no way they score after that. <laughs> all right. The next game brings us heartache. It was Lons versus Arsenal. In France, Lons coming out 2-1 winners. Yeah. I will say Arsenal did not play well. No, they did they not They scored first good. through Gabriel Jesus in the first half. Which was, to his credit, was a phenomenal goal for Gabriel Jesus. Fantastic finish. Don't yeah. expect that from Gabriel Jesus, that's for sure. Not every, not week in and week out. Maybe like four or five times a season, but that's it. And heartbreak, star boy, Kyle Saka. Get subbed off. What's that mean for Man City, man? Yeah, I mean, so he came off injured. Looked like he had some trouble with his hamstring. Uh, later on, I guess it was, you know, the day after it was reported. He's got a minor hamstring strain. So he's about 50-50 for the game. I mean, if you're Arteta, Saka's come off the last three games injured. Why even start him? He shouldn't have, that's for sure. Especially, Especially with Man City a coming big up. Game, yeah. But then a poor mistake from David Raya. Led to Long's first goal. He had a poor ball out. It was a fantastic finish by their striker. And what a ball by Eliwahi to their striker. Yeah. Holy cow. It's like falling. Eliwahi looks backwards. like a player, doesn't he? Oh, God. Yes, he does. And we'll, we'll get, get to his into finish him here. A little his bit. Finish, yeah. yeah. But I gotta he ask you. The winner. I gotta ask you a question first. And should Raya have been starting over Ramsdale? I don't you know, think so, personally. That one's tough because he he played well in that North London derby. He did. I didn't think Ramsdale had done anything bad to be dropped. If I'm being honest with you, I did expect Raya to start this game just from. Honestly, the way Arteta's been playing him versus Ramsdale. Because he's only played Ramsdale in a Carabao Cup tie? (laughs) (laughs) Recently, yeah. Yeah. I I just feel so bad for the guy. I know he's a competitor, but I would be so pissed off. Maybe he comes back in after that Raya mistake. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they say Arteta is harsh and ruthless. We'll see. If he really is, he'll change his goalies for this weekend. But <laughs> Yeah. But that, why he's second goal, man. Woo! For Longs. What a first time finish. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a thing of beauty. And how, I mean, like you said, how good is he? Like, he's 20 years old and he's cold-blooded. At 20 goals in Ligue 1? Yeah. Last season? So, yeah. At, ni- I- at 19 years of age. Yeah. I I think I heard a rumor Real Madrid were looking at him. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Kind of fits their mold right now. 
and they won't have Bine to pay Young. up the yin yep. yang for him. So that has been their mold, buying Young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, how about the the stadium, man? The fans—they were rocking. oh, they were rocking the whole I, game. Those flags, I, the guy that the flags, holding man, that the giant flags. flag, he was waving it the whole match. Like one, that guy's got to have the world's strongest shoulders. Two, Forearms, if shoulders. If you're a fan just... sitting behind that, you can't see anything. <laughs> anything. You just spent who knows how many euros to watch this game, and you didn't get to see a lick of the action. But the crazy part is, is those flags <laughs> weren't just in one section of the stadium. Yeah, it they was were all, all the way around. Yeah, all over. It God, was. God. It I was will so say cool. that that atmosphere was one of my favorite on this match week too. It was. It was. But that win over Arsenal takes Lons into first place in Group B on four points. Arsenal in second with three points. And then Sevilla in third with two. PSV in fourth with one. So Lons shaking things up. <laughs> but moving on to Group A, we had the Bavarian Giants, Bayern Munich, taking on Copenhagen. Yeah, the behemoths from Bavaria. The behemoths from Bavaria. (laughs) Of course, the behemoths from Bavaria came out to one winners. But I will say, Copenhagen put in one heck of a performance. They did. I mean, they took the lead early in the second half. They looked like the better team for most of the first half. And then (laughs) it it took a Matthias Tell goal to win it. And uh, this guy seems to just come on, 18 years old. Comes on every time and just scores a winning goal or a very important goal, nonetheless. I'd love to see his goal-to-minutes ratio right now. Right? It's got to be phenomenal. But yeah, Copenhagen, man. I Honestly, they didn't look bad. They looked threatening on the attack. They defended well for over an hour before uh, Musiala scored the first goal. It was, you know, him tiptoeing through some defenders, doing, a little lucky Doing bounce. his Musiala thing. Yep. He doesn't score Good often, finish. but when he does, it's absolutely magical. But honestly, Bayern, they looked frustrated by Copenhagen for a majority of the game. Like, a little void of ideas. And another thing to note, Bayern concede another goal. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to them. I want to talk about them more later because, you know, they're one of the favorites to win this competition. Mm-hmm. But there's another team I want to talk about that's also favored to win this competition, Man City. And so later, I want to do a little comparison, a little Man city Bayern Munich comparison. Okay. I'm going to ask you some questions when we get to Man City's game. Let's do it. But first, let's talk about something much more entertaining. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Manchester United and Galatasaray. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that, but okay, you're just going to the next game. <laughs> <sighs> I shouldn't laugh. I feel bad for Rasmus Hoyland. I really do. I mean, you called this one, man. You saw it. Galatasaray beating Bayern Munich at Old Trafford. Yeah, or Me Manchester too. United, yeah, at Old Trafford. But I mean, there was only really one bright spot in that entire game, and it was Rasmus Hoyland. Otherwise, United look downtrodden, disorganized, 
lack of energy and ideas. Like, they couldn't get a ball in. I mean, Rashford was on a breakaway with Bruno just to square the ball and tap it in, and he couldn't even make that pass. Kind of just sums up the whole team right there. And then mistake-prone, man. They're making very, mistakes. Very. So we'll talk about Hoyland's goals. First one, Rashford crosses in for him. That was a hard cross, too, man. He yeah. laced it into the middle. Yeah. I don't know how Hoyland kept that on target, man. If that would have hit me in the head, it would have gone straight up. <laughs> my body would have went my backwards. Ass. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. Some thick neck muscles. Yeah, and then that second goal, man. How about the pace and the poise? The calm, cool finish just to lift it over the goalkeeper. Yeah, Manchester United finally have their striker, and he's looking pretty darn good. But the problem is, is the rest of the team around him can't do jack squat. Nothing. Hammer bad, especially at left back there, man. Ooh, he... well, he's playing out of position, so I'll give him a, a little bit it's of a showing. break there. It's yeah. showing. So let's we'll talk about the Galatasaray goals. First one was Wilfred Zaha, the old Man United boy, coming back to bottom I in the mean, ass. You could have wrote a script about that before the game, knowing that it was going to happen. He does it every time. He did it even for Crystal Palace. Like He's going to score against Manchester United every time, and he even came out afterwards and said, yeah, that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> but what a goal it was. And, yeah, yeah Porter Port Fendi and unfortunate Diego Yeah. Diogo Dallo. And then, yeah, his, I mean, he was a little lucky a shot went in. Took a deflection off Dallo and whoop. But he I don't know. Strong. What o- I still don't know what Onana was doing for that goal even. Started coming out, tried to jump. He was already on the six yard box. I don't, I don't understand. And United's, uh, Second goalie conceded, poor marking. Pretty much everything poor tracking from back. on was poor marking and poor tracking back. And then the Andre Onana show, man. What a terrible ball out. And then yeah. Casemiro gets stuck in the position of trying to tackle this guy as he's through on goal. Dries Mertens, yeah. And doesn't even come close to the, go- the ball. Oh, no. Mertens did a good job of faking the shot. Already on yellow. And inevitably, it would have been a red either way, I think. But his saving grace was that it was his second yellow. So, But Icardi misses the ensuing PK. Yeah. For a guy who scored, well, he ends up scoring in this game. Spoiler alert. But he scored 11 goals in 10 games for Galatasaray this season. And that's his second penalty he's missed in a row. <laughs> Might be time to add someone new to that. Uh-huh. Taking the PKs? Galatasaray? Mm-hmm. They got enough talent, I think it'd be okay. All right, let's talk about their third goal. So this was, again, Amarabat playing left back, plays a poor ball out. He's last man back, which he keeps Icardi on side after the turnover. Icardi's through on goal. Onana goes down way too early for me. Way he too chips early. Him. He could have stood up for another five to ten seconds and probably saved that. <laughs> and he would have saved it, yeah. Yeah, would hit him right in the chest. But I, I don't, I don't know what Amrabat was doing. Even if you're, you don't play, you know, left back naturally. There's no way you should be ten yards behind your entire defense. Which he was. So I guess that, yeah. that makes me, that begs the question, what does United do about that left back position? 
It's easy. You put a natural center back or natural defender in that position. I don't care if you bring in McGuire and put Lindelof on the outside. It doesn't matter, but it's going to shore up your defense a lot better. And that way you can put Amrabat back in the midfield. Johnny Evans? Any of them. I don't care who it is. Any of them. Don't put Amrabat out there. Obviously, from those last three games is not going to be good. That's true. Their performances these past few few weeks have not been well. It sucks. They have their three left backs all injured, but I, th- I think you're right. I think even just a center back out there, uh, you know, a wise, experienced guy like Johnny Evans could maybe yeah. sure up that defense. Well, he'd at least, you know, be even with the line of the defense. And then, you know, if you get someone speedy against him, sure, he's wise enough to give him some space and let him run down the wing, but not let him inside. So. And it doesn't help your goalkeeper is not playing the best either. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've heard the argument, you know, giving up De Gea, grass is always greener on the other side. Whatever, they both made a lot of mistakes, so. So I guess my question was, Inter Milan's defense just that much better than Man United's, making Onana look like the best goalkeeper in Europe last year? I think it's more of, it, it could be a little bit of that. I think a lot of it, too, is the pace of play. In Italy versus England, you have a lot less forgiveness as far as the timing of the goalkeeper, man. He's not out there playing on the field. Yeah. You know, in the middle of the park where it's crowded and bunched up. Again. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, not staying up for a shot or kicking poor balls out. Yeah, for a guy who has said to be that's his best quality is being able to play out of the back. Not lately. Little suspect. Moving on to one of our games to watch. And this game did not disappoint. This was Napoli against Real Madrid. Woo! This game ended 3-2 to Real Madrid. And man, the young guns coming up with Vinny Jr., Bellingham, Rodrigo. Federico Belverde. How does this go, man? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, they, a slop, they, okay. Napoli scored first. It was a sloppy goal on a corner. People didn't mark their man. The defender got in to head it in. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because um, it is impossible for my brain to comprehend how to pronounce it. Is it a Pitor Zelinski? No, he got the second one. The PK was Pitor Zelinski. Yes. I was talking about the first goal, the header. Oh, the header. Okay. Yeah, to put them up 1-0. Oh, uh, it was a guy who um, hasn't been playing much. Younger yeah. guy. Yeah. Anyways, not going to try to pronounce his name. And then Vinny Jr. Yeah, Vinny funny. Jr. getting on the score sheet for the second. Very tidy finish. Ostegard. Leo Skiri Ostegard. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Center back. Yeah. And Vinny Jr. with a very tight finish from a near impossible angle to make it 1-1. Nacho was judged to have handled the ball leading up to Napoli's penalty kick that Zelensky stepped up and put away beautifully. But, I mean, the real question is, should that have been a penalty? And UEFA, I guess. Again, it was harsh. He's sliding on the ground. The ball kind of bounced around, hit his arm. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I understand, right? His arms are up. He's sliding. It hits him in the hand. But it took a deflection off his foot to hit him in the hand. So it's not directly off the kick. I understand it's black and white for UEFA, but like that's very harsh. As a player, you know, that goes against you. You're, you're cursing and screaming, man, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, like I said, you might not like it, but it's clear in UEFA what a handball is. 100%. More clear. And then Jude Bellingham gets yet another goal for Real Madrid, and what a peach it was. And then we get to the game winner, a thunderbolt, an absolute thunderbolt of a goal as Federico Valverde hits the ball first time off of a clearance. Ball ricochets off the crossbar, hits the goalie in the back, and goes in before the goalie even hits the ground. That's how much force was on this shot. I dare you to find me a pure strike of the ball. I'm not saying a better goal. I'm just saying a pure strike of the ball because of how hard that ball was hit. Off the top of my head, I can think of two. The first one is a Roberto Carlos goal. Okay. The second one was a Zlatan Ibrahimovic goal, I think also in the Champions League for PSG. Yeah, I do remember that one. Yes. He like takes it off the chest and then volleys it and... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're not wrong, one, man. One of the purest I've seen. It is that was a, a hit and a half, that's for sure. <laughs> but that was the game winner. Yes, it was. And you definitely knew something that I didn't, because I thought Napoli would have enough for this one. And it took a moment of magic from one of your top ten midfielders to win this game. Two for of my top ten Madrid. midfielders had goals here. Yeah. One of mine. I didn't have Valverde in mind, so. So those are the games on Tuesday. Let's move on to the Wednesday games. The first one we have up is Atletico Madrid against Feyenoord. This one was tasty. Man. I I can't believe this one ended the way it did. I cannot. And you kind of predicted this, didn't you? Kind of, but not in this fashion. I don't think anyone predicted this. I did warn you not to sleep on this game. It's a five-goal thriller. Uh, not a dull moment as Atleti comes back to win 3-2. to two. Yeah, man. And Feyenoord, they came out flying in this one. Like, the first few minutes was just... They were going at it. And they eventually get it a, got a own goal off of Armoso, which was... This was a weird one. Yeah, it was a shot Very. off the goalie. The ball bounced off the goalie, off of Hermoso, and then back into the goal. It was, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> it took me like a couple of replays. Like, what happened there? Like, did it come off him? I... Right. So yeah, that one, and that was only in the first seven minutes. Yeah, I believe. But it only got more interesting from there. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Atleti's first goal. So this is kind okay. of an interesting one for me. A ball gets played to an offside Sal. Mm-hmm. The defender, not knowing he was offside, reaches for the ball, has a poor touch, and then I believe Morata comes in, pounces on it, and scores. And VAR looked at it, the ref went and looked at it on the screen, and they determined it was a goal. Do you think the flag should have gone up for it? Should it have stayed an offside decision, or should it have been a goal? 
So I'm trying to remember this one per se. Um, did did Saul touch the ball? No, the ball was played to him as in an offside. He was offsides, mm-hmm. and the defender reached for the ball, got a touch on it. It was a poor touch, and then Maratza then got onto the ball and scored. Yeah, right after the defender. So then, so then it's a goal. Because Saul didn't touch the ball and didn't make a play for it. But is he interfering with the play? That's what I think. Because the defender doesn't have to. The defender doesn't have to reach out for it. He could have let it go to Saul. And but you know, as a player, your instinct is not necessarily to let that ball go. It's to try to get something on it. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree. I think it's a goal. I, I mean, it's just yeah. It's wishy washy. It. I don't like it, if I'm being honest, but I, I do think it's a goal. I understand. Yeah. But then uh, Atleti, man, they let another one in. Poor defending. Second goal came off a free kick. Initially a good save from Oblak, but the follow-up goes in. And yeah. Feyenoord Feyenoord was flying, were, man. They were relentless, too. It was like any bad mistake or ball in the air, they were always the first ones to it. So, I mean, credit to them for the amount of hustle they had on offense. Defense, not so much. But offense and attack, they were great. And their players are quick. Mm -hmm. They got some quick players on that team. Holy cow. But Atleti, not to be outdone, man, they come back. They get two goals. Another goal by Morata. And Griezmann with a falling overhead kick, I guess is what I would call it. Cause I don't want to call it a bicycle either. kick. I'm not either because both feet weren't off the ground. But no, I mean, he more improv- just fell and <laughs> improvised I mean, great went, improvisation, improvisation yeah. from him. Yeah, I mean far post, top corner, falling down. I mean can't beat that. No, and then Marata, he got the winner just a couple minutes into the second half. He is on fire, dude. He's yeah. got two goals in two games in the Champions League. In La Liga, he's got five goals in six games. I think it's seven, but yeah, close enough. He's got seven goals in eight or nine games. For him, so that's I looked it up. It's impeccable. five goals in six games in La Liga. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we'll finally talk more about a him later. Fantastic season. Did he, is he finally found his home after how Lord knows how many teams and how many seasons? <laughs> Maybe. It seems you got like this it. game right. You picked that lady. I picked a draw. I almost I had mean, it. Not I think Feyenoord deserved a draw in this one, the way they played. But unfortunately, that's not how the game works. Moving on to a game that we probably didn't have too much invested in. It was <laughs> Royal Antwerp against Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar winning this one 3-2. But they had to work for that win. They were down 2-0. And had to come back and score three goals. Yeah, I mean, they scored all three in the second half. And they had to work for it. But I just want to I want to highlight a player for Royal Antwerp, who I think is going to be the next young sensation at one of the big teams. And that's Arthur Vermeeren. He had two fantastic assists, only to be let down by a missed Tony Otterweil PK in the 96th minute. Oh, it went completely wide, man. Yeah, it was bad. And I will say Antwerp's goalkeeper, man, 
facepalm had a terrible mistake. So to prevent the ball from going out for a corner, he hits, he's like scrambling, you know, along the line and he hits it back in, hits it right to a Shakhtar player who just crosses it. Player in the center scores. Yeah. Like, what were you doing, guy? I don't don't know. I don't get it. A lot of that this week. (laughs) There was. There there was a lot of that this week. We'll just, whenever it happens, we'll just coin that phrase. What are you doing, guy? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on to a group E game. We had Celtic and Lazio. This one ended 2-1 to Lazio. Celtic, they struck early in the 12th minute with some beautiful build-up play, man. Sublime first touch passing, carving up that Lazio defense. When I saw that, I thought my pick of picking Celtic to win this game was going to be right. I thought so, too. Uh, then... I'll be honest. I thought so, too. There's a reason why you they're undefeated in this season so far until this point. But I did pick Lazio. And you did I pick was, Lazio. You can still see some uh, remnants safe. of that Ange ball. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. But Vecino, he got the equalizer for Lazio in the 29th. I thought Joe Hart was able to claw it out, but goal line technology says no, he did not. And then they got the winner again late on. It was late on, I believe, correct? Yes, yes, at the death. I think it was in like the 88th minute. or five. Yeah, okay. At the death. At the death, that, ninety the plus guy five. You, you had said in a previous episode, I can't believe last he's episode. still playing. It was last episode, Pedro. <laughs> Remember him from Barcelona, Chelsea, now at Lazio, still yeah. scoring goals, man. What a touch it was, and a fantastic cross from Matteo Guendouzi. Whew, yes, right on his head. I did feel bad for Celtic in this one. I thought they de- deserved something from this game, but. For me, still one of the best jerseys in Europe. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm i going to give some props to Mizuno for uh, Lazio's jerseys. Those ones were pretty sweet with the retro badge on it, too. I still love the Celtic ones, man. Oh, I'm going to have to get me I'm one of those. I'm not discounting that one bit. <laughs> They're still one of the best jerseys in all of Europe. Not only Europe, the world. So there's another situation in this game I want I want to ask you. So Celtic, Celtic player thought he had scored. Mm-hmm. It would have been two one at this point to Celtic there in the dying moments. Takes his jersey off, you know he's excited. He thought he just had the winner in a Champions League game, only for it to be called back offsides. Do you think but he it... deserves a yellow then for scoring a non goal? But because he took his jersey off, I feel like that's harsh, man. First we're gonna give you a yellow, and then we're gonna yeah. take your goal away. Exactly, like it. So it's something that happened after the passage of play that ultimately got called back. Well, everything that happened after that, including the goal and the yellow card, should be reneged. That's my 100% thought. It should be a thing. I don't know why it's not, because that is absolute bullcrap. Because if someone, you know, in the Premier League does that, and then, you know, five minutes later gets another yellow for time-wasting, red card for something that shouldn't have been a red card. (laughs) For holding up a fake card, though. (laughs) Yeah. So, just saying. I do not agree with that in the slightest. I think it's harsh. I, I don't think players should get a yellow for taking their jersey off anyway. I think that's a stupid rule. I understand the basis of the original rule. I do. 
but I think there should be a rule. If VAR takes a goal back, your yellow card should be taken back as well. I just, I don't like it. So in that group, because that's a tough group. Yeah, it is. Um, with Atletico in first on four points, Lazio in second on four points, Feyenoord in third on three, and Lonely Celtic bottom of the table in Group E with no points. My pick of them getting out is not looking the best. Then you start winning some games. Yeah, well, luckily it's only two matches in. It's a long way to go. But um, it's looking uh, almost like I might get it perfect. So just going to throw that out there. Just need fine order to jump over Lazio. That's all I need. Well, moving on to a game. Again, I don't know if we had the most invested in this one. I just like get through it real quick because it's, yeah, I don't care either. I think I asked, does anyone care? I picked a draw. I got it yeah. right. No, you got it by right. The way. And no one cares. Young so. boys and Red Star, <laughs> Star Belgrade. Ended 2-2. I will say, Usman Bukhari looks like a player, man. He scored and assisted in this game. Yeah, and he impressed against Man City as well. And, you know, I just... He's What's- going to be quite the player. There's quite a few in the Champions League, right? That's how you make your name. You get the big money transfer been done for years That's how Mudrick made his name it is it is especially with one certain performance against uh, one real madrid so we'll see so one to keep an eye on in this tournament 100 yeah, speaking but of moving on to the other teams in that in that group that we both predicted to get out it's going to be man city and rb leipzig this was one to watch man yeah it was we both said city were going to win this and they did not disappoint, running out 3-1 winners over Leipzig in Germany. Sita. Sita. So you went ahead first through Phil Foden. Up 1-0. Second half starts. Leipzig got a goal. Got yeah. him on the break. Scored with their only goal on shot, pretty much. <laughs> only goal shot on goal. Sorry, yeah. I think I said that yeah, backwards. Okay. But yeah, Luis Openda, 48th minute. Showing good strength. Nice finish. 1-1. But let's talk about that Julian Alvarez goal, man. Came on as a sub. Only on the field for a few minutes. Gets a curler. Let's not just talk about that, but like what point in the game it is. And that it's a game winner. The 85th minute, he comes on a couple minutes before that. And saves Manchester City yet again. Is he the most underrated player on earth? And if I just stole your question, then my bad. No, no. (laughs) I I don't think he's underrated. I've been hyping him up for better part of a year now. You and I don't think he's underrated because we rate him very highly. I meant for the rest of the world. Is he one of the most underrated players on earth? I mean, probably not. He's won everything. So, I I, I mean, people are talking about him, so I, I don't think he's underrated. I think he'll always be in Holland's shadow as long as him and Holland that, are both that, at that is, that is a Manchester much better, City. That's a much better point. But I don't think he's underrated. Personally, you know, this is probably a question for another time, but I know Real Madrid, for some reason, got real hard on for Kylian Mbappe. I'm just saying, there's other strikers out there besides Kylian Mbappe. We'll talk Julian more Alvarez about, is one we'll of them. We'll talk more about Mbappe in a little bit. Um, 
and about how well, well I'll be nice and say disappointed I am in him. But do you think in a year, two years time, Julian Alvarez could be a Ballon d'Or contender? I think he should be or a Ballon d'Or. I think he should be a Ballon d'Or contender this year. He won everything. If trophies are the way to do things, because it obviously isn't stats, because then Messi would have nine Ballon d'Ors and Ronaldo would only have two. Ronaldo won his off of trophies. So if that is what we judge people on, who has won more trophies in the last year than Julian Alvarez? I'll wait. Goose egg. Nobody. Exactly. exactly. Should be a contender right now. As far as stats go, I think you're right. Maybe in the next year or so, mixed with the trophies. I think Follow he'll be up. up there. Does he have to leave Manchester City to do it? Or would yes. Holland have to leave Manchester City to do one it? Of, one of the two. And I think Julian Alvarez is more likely to leave Manchester City before Erling Holland does. Out of sheer price point for a transfer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... I will say, so I, we'll talk about the third goal that uh, Manchester City scored. It was counterattack man, assisted by your boy Julian Alvarez to Jeremy Doku, who slots at home. Cool, calm, collected finish. Big fan of him, also. Side note, it was good to see Bernardo Silva back for Manchester City, but also as not a, good. As a he casual fan, <laughs> as a casual fan, yes. As an Arsenal fan, not at all. <laughs> but man, I do love those city away jerseys. Oh, they're so cool. If I if it didn't burn a hole in my chest wearing one, I would totally buy one. <laughs> but then, so, so I got to ask you. So we saw some fantastic goals. For me, I think the top three goals we saw in this match week two were Julian Alvarez's goal here against Leipzig, that curler. Yeah. Bruma's goal against Braga, man. Yeah. And then Fetty Valverde's. Out of those three, which one would you say is the best? I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't even put Federico Valverde's on there. There's one okay. we haven't talked about yet from one Fabian Schar that I would put on there. And I would almost say his is the best because of the type of player that he is. And I how think he far got lucky with his, man, if I'm being yes. honest. He slipped and fell. Yes, 100%. But the goal itself was an absolute beauty. Well, I'm going to end it right here. Bruma's goal was the best. Okay. Fair. <laughs> but I want to I want to keep talking about Man City because I told you I wanted to compare them to a certain German team. Yeah. Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. And so we saw what City did here to Leipzig at the Red Bull Arena, beat them 3-1. It did take a piece of brilliance from Julian Alvarez to beat them. But we also recently saw Bayern Munich play RB Leipzig at the Red Bull Arena. And we've seen and that it game Twice this season. Twice this yeah. year so far. The first one they lost. Second one was a draw. But Leipzig took it to Bayern Munich for large portions of that game. That whole first half, pretty much. Versus this, I I wouldn't say Leipzig were in this. Once they went down, they started getting possession. But Man City had a 69% possession in this game. Yeah. Do you think there's that big of a gulf between... Man City, who are favored, and Bayern Munich, who is, I guess, the second most favored team. Okay, so I'm going to give you an answer, and then 
refer back to what I said when we were predicting our Champions League favorites after that. So I think mostly for RB Leipzig, it's because they match up in play style very well against Bayern Munich as to where they do not match up very well at all against Manchester City. That being said, yes, I do think there is that much of a gap between Manchester City at full strength and Bayern Munich at full strength. So then pretend we're going to go to a pretend land here. Yeah. If Bayern Munich was in the Premier League, where do you think they'd finish? I would say second or third, probably. I think I would get them fourth. Behind Liverpool and Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah. I just I look at the talent, and I feel like if they played in the Premier League, their play style would be completely different. And with the squad they have and a different play style, they would be more effective, I think. But, you know, that's more of a Thomas Tuchel answer or question than a Premier League Bayern Munich question. But to follow up all of that, when I predicted Bayern Munich to go to the final, I did say they were going to sign Paulinha to help shore up their defense in January. Well, the knockout stages don't start until January or February. So I think come the knockout stages, you might see a different Bayern Munich. But right now, the big old golfing class there between Manchester right City. Back. They do. They do. That's what Bayern Munich needs. But speaking of Bayern Munich, they're in Group A. They're first in their group, six points. Second, Galatasaray, Copenhagen, and then Manchester United with zero points. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, and Manchester City after that win, they're in first place in Group G, six points, RB Leipzig with three young boys, and Red Star Belgrade with one. Going about how we predicted that group. Yep, 100%. Group G. All right, moving on to our next game, man, Group of Death. Let's start with there. The one to watch that turned out not to be so much to watch. Dortmund <laughs> against Milan at the Dignison Iduna Park. Ended nil-nil. Yeah. Yeah. I, Lots of this, shots. Yeah, I'll be honest None of them you. on target. Yeah, this thing greedy strikers, like, man. looked like you close your eyes and try to shoot for both teams the entire game. Nothing was close. And everybody didn't want to pass the ball. That's why I say greedy strikers, man. Yeah. They take the shot when they could have passed it to someone in a better position, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. We both picked Milan. We got that one wrong. Yep. To a game neither of us also got right. This was Newcastle against PSG. I'm not upset at all about that, though. St. James's Park was rocking. This one ended 3-1 to Newcastle. Or was it 4-1? 4-1 to Newcastle. 4, yeah. Woo, absolute scenes at St. James's Park, man. Not that PSG did themselves any favors, but. I gotta ask, what position was Mbappe playing? Uh, right pocket of Kieran Trippier. (laughs) (laughs) Right in his pocket, because you know what? I didn't see him all match. The only time I saw him was when the camera panned to him and he looked like he was pouting, like a sad ninja turtle. (laughs) He did look 
pouty during this game. The rain was the falling. Whole He's time. Like, what am I doing? The whole time. Not to mention, it started for him in like the 17th minute when Newcastle scored after they shot themselves in the foot because Marquinhos, Marquinhos. gave the ball away. Poor I giveaway. Give, I will give credit to Miggy Almiron. What a goal that was and what a finish for Newcastle's like first body man to get his yeah. left foot on that yeah and not only that but to put that right inside the post to give Newcastle their first Champions League goal in 20 years and do you know who the last person to score score a Champions League goal for Newcastle is I have no idea Alan Shearer yeah I was, that would have been my guess yeah but that's how long ago it was when they scored a Champions League goal now I gotta ask you another question. What year did Alan Shear retire? Twenty years. Two thousand six. Did you look it up or are you just guessing? I'm just guessing. Pulling it out my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. Keep talking. Alright. Well You were uh... correct. Two thousand six. There you go. All right. Well, Newcastle went up 2-0 just before the half after more sloppy defending from PSG. Uh, As the ball pinballed around the six-yard box, went out to Bruno Guimaraes, who played a lovely chip into the man who's larger than life itself, Dan Byrne, to head in the goal before the half to put them up 2-0. And I just want to say, can I reiterate how much I love the Champions League VAR system? Oh, my gosh. The animation, man. The perfect animation that shows them. Amazing. Yes, it took a while for this one because there was a foul. Was there a foul? Was there a handball? Was there not a handball? Did the ball go in the net? I get it. There's a lot of things going on. It was like a solid. Perfectly explained everything. Everything. It was fantastic. I can pretty much guarantee you on our ways to fix VAR, that is one of them. Yeah, use AI, not Ways humans. Ways to fix VR primarily, yeah. <laughs> Take humans out of it. Number one. Sean Langstaff, though, man. Whew. Got the third goal for Newcastle. Yeah, and uh, another defensive mishap as Don Maruma. How did he not save that? I'm not going to I'm not gonna like, lie. hit off his arm. Yeah. It looked like it might have been going wide or it could have been t- tucking into that far post. But he sticks an arm he out. Like it bounces off of his arm down, and straight a, in. Yeah. Beautiful by by Karen Trippier though to play yeah. him in. Yeah. And at this point, I'll be honest with you, it's hard to find a right back who's better than Karen Trippier. I was actually when I was watching that game, I was trying to compare Karen Trippier to Hashraf Hakimi. Hakimi is more like Cancelo, and Trippier is more of a old school natural left back or right back. I will say Hakimi had some good playing you know, good good plays with Dembele or Ugarte. Mm-hmm. You know, just one two, one two passes and and then obviously his pace. He's fast as Lightning. shit. Yeah. But that kind of brings me to Usman Dembele, man. He's another one of those players like uh, Decore. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes, sometimes maybe, maybe shit. shit. But like Holy all within cow. the same game. Like he'll yeah. do things that will impress you with his speed and his skills, and then he'll take a shot with his weaker foot, and it's like, bro, I could have shot better with my weak foot than that. Oh, still going. 
It's over, it's over there. Yeah. It's still, it's still yeah. I, I don't. He's it. just one of those players. Yeah. But you wanted to talk about the fourth goal for Newcastle, Mr. Fabian Schaar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he gets the ball. and I, Well, first off, I don't know what he's doing up there that far up the Great field. Great tackle to win the ball back from yes. PSG. And then he plays a little one-two with Jacob Murphy. And while slipping, it. <laughs> hits a lightning rod of a shot that goes just inside the upper V. Just right, right in there. Spider makes its web. Holy cow! For if that was unintentional, then okay, that's the best unintentional goal I've ever seen. Uh, If that was intentional for a center back that I've never seen shoot before with his feet, uh, that was probably the best goal I've ever seen from a center back. From all of what twenty yards out, twenty five yards out, twenty five, maybe further. I Amazing. definitely don't. I think he kicks it as hard as he can at the goal, and then it just happens oh, to yeah. go where it went. Sometimes you get lucky, especially if you're a defender. And Lucas Hernandez got the one back from for PSG. Yeah, I will say, lovely ball over the top by the 17 year old Zaire Emery. Yeah, and a wonderful run from Lucas Hernandez. All right, a game. That we saw from Group H. This was Barcelona and Porto, man. Two teams who have won this competition before. It ended 1-0 to Barcelona. Yeah. And if I'm a PSG P, uh, Porto fan, man, am I pissed off that <laughs> Barcelona won this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, Porto, in the first half, they had chances, man. They dominated possession. And they found themselves down thanks to a Ferran Torres goal who came on as a sub after Robert Lewandowski had to come off. But yep. it was a poor mistake by Porto. Poor pass. Yeah, and honestly, it was just... They played so well, but one one mistake cost them. And I guess technically poor finishing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's what, that's what you get in top-level competition at this point, so... One defensive error is all it takes. Mm-hmm. So, and then there was an, a crazy kind of series of events between Jao Cancelo and who was the, I can't remember the Porto player that was involved. Uh, Estoquito. Oh, it's is that, Estacchio. That it? That's who it was. Yeah, that's Estacchio. It. See, that's why I pronou- don't pronounce things. <laughs> so the ball, it was a ball played over the top that. Estacchio handballed, air quotes, handballed. Looks a little shouldery chest to me, but then it bounces off Cancelo. Like you can kind of see, throws an arm at the ball to kind of get it out of. That was get it from falling in front of the player. That one was a definite handball. And so that's what's called as a handball penalty. Well, VR takes a look at it. They're saying, hey, it looks like the Porto player may have handled the ball. Was it a handball? I mean, again, this is UEFA, this is AI, and this is black and white. I mean, but it could be considered time, where, where, as bicep. Where does the arm and the shoulder begin? Because, I it's, mean, I, I think, I mean, wasn't it where we told law, it was the sleeve? It's where the top of the sleeve starts. But they don't make jerseys like that anymore. Right? Just your Adidas jersey there does, right? It's got the cutoff for the sleeve, but the Nike jerseys don't. They go this way. 
So and I, so I guess then it is a handball because it does hit this part, yeah. you know. So that's your bicep. So you can hit it off the top of your shoulder, but anything below that is considered a handball. It was close, though. Semantics, man. Semantics. I guess correct call then. Yeah. I would rather have that than what we've seen in the Premier League. So. Yeah, but Porto, man, they, they tried in the second half, couldn't get nothing. Um, Gavi got a red card. I don't know second what he was thinking for his second yellow. The defender went, went by him and he grabs him. Obvious yellow card. Yeah. He'll miss the next game. And more than once, might I add. <laughs> grabbed him more than once. Yeah. But yeah, that brings us to Group H with Barcelona, who are in first on six points, Porto in second with three, Shakhtar with three, and Royal Antwerp. Nada. Sitting bottom. Nada. Yeah. And they have not been good. So with that, we had some midweek action in the Premier League. Believe we it or did. not. This was a tough week, man, for watching football. I had that was Premier League game games on Monday and Tuesday, right Champions and Central. League. But on Monday, we had Fulham against Chelsea, the West London Derby. As two goals in two minutes, see Chelsea. Yes, I said that. Chelsea win their second match of the season over a haphazard Fulham side. Armando Broja started this game returning from injury. And Mihailo Mudrik getting his first goal for Chelsea, not to be outdone by Kai Havertz getting his first one for Arsenal. <laughs> what a ball from Levi Colwell to Mihailo Mudrik, who then took it off the chest and slotted it home. It was a great sequence of play, and I'll be honest with you, Levi Colwell, we knew it last year watching him for Brighton, how good he was, but I can't imagine how good he's going to be in three, four years. You're not wrong. And he was playing left back in this game, interestingly enough. So, Manchester United, take notes. Center back playing what left happens back. happens when you have a center back playing left back. Just saying. Good callback. Uh, Love it. Yeah, and then uh, second goal for Chelsea was just an all-around terrible and unlucky goal for Fulham. It was pretty terrible. Tim Ream with a terrible pass, and then he tries to make up for it, puts the tackle in on Broja, and he kicks the ball off of Broja, and it goes into the net. Yep, as Broja's swinging his leg. I, you can't make these things up. But good news for Chelsea. They have won another game, which I never thought would happen. Takes them th- Three points further away from the uh, relegation zone. Yep, and they're four points clear relegation. now. Only one point behind Manchester United. Who have nine. Chelsea now yeah. have eight. Who have nine. Yeah. Speaking of relegation zone, we had uh, Luton Town and Burnley on the third which was Tuesday. And let's be honest, no one really watched this match because the Champions League games were on. <laughs> Unless I you're watched the Luton highlights. Or didn't have time Burnley. to watch the game. Saw the goals. Same here. Same here. I picked uh, Burnley to win. They did. Burnley <laughs> finally get their first win of the season. Luton had the best chances early. A couple of balls flashed across the goal. Uh, breakthrough finally came in extra time as Burnley were given a gift by Luton as this must be one of the most unfortunate events, kind of like a game earlier in the Champions League, which uh, is failing me right now, where uh, Tom Locklear uh, was ma- made a play at a through ball and effectively passed the ball to a, at the time, offsides, Lyle Foster, 
who then was on sides because he passed the ball to him, uh, who slotted it home. Uh, Luton. Yeah. They did find their leveler in the 84th minute through Elijah Abadayo. A wonderful turn inside the six-yard box to finish. But literally, as the replay is being played, Burnley take the ball down the field and not even 30 seconds later, put the ball in the back of the net through Jacob Brun Larson as he hits a banger from the outside corner of the box curling into the side netting. Woo! The kicker is, this was all in the 84th and 85th minute. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And that was it for Luton. They're done. They lost another game. So that brings Burnley up to 18th place. Luton stay in 17th, while Bournemouth drop to 19th. So Sheffield United looking like uh, Southampton of last season. Looking like Tarby County of whatever year that was. (laughs) 2007, 2008? I don't remember. Whatever we said last episode. You got to check that out in the last episode. All right, Targo. Let's look forward now as we just finished looking back to match week eight in the Premier League. And where we left off with Luton Town, we're going to start with them again as they play undefeated Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs are high flying after their win versus Liverpool, albeit wrongly so, in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, And then Luton Town with their heartbreaking loss against Burnley in a short week while Spurs just sitting on their couches enjoying life is this one way and one way only how many goals does tottenham score i guess (laughs) five six i didn't say over under five i'll go four but i think six is probably more likely (laughs) i mean yeah one way and one way only man yeah yeah next up fulham Versus Sheffield United, I mean, both teams have looked very poor of late. Fulham having better individual players, but maybe not better team play. This one really could be. I don't know where their goals are going to come from, dude. For Fulham. Raul Jimenez? He hasn't shown that he can score consistently for a couple of seasons now. No, he has not. And I don't mean to sound sensitive, but it's pretty much been since he took a blow to the head against Arsenal. It's, yeah, yeah, it has been. And then Sheffield, man, they suck. Yeah, they they're awful. Fulham, I'll I'll pick Fulham. Yeah, <laughs> Fulham can get a good win out of this one. <laughs> All right, so two teams both coming off a win midweek. We got Burnley against Chelsea. Okay. All right, both could be considered in the relegation battle. Both these teams struggling. Chelsea might hold the momentum, maybe. But from what we've seen in the last 12 months, a win and scoring mean literally nothing to them. So before so you originally... give me your answer, before okay. that, I have a question. Could this be okay. considered a relegation six-pointer? Probably not, no. Chelsea, they've gone <laughs> up to 11th. Yeah, but they're only four points off the drop zone, so. I don't think there's any relegation talk yet <laughs> there shouldn't be they're too good of a side i mean for christ's sake we picked them to be fourth place or in the we top did. four so 
We better you know, hope originally, games. I will say originally when I wrote down my answer, I was thinking Burnley. But after watching Burnley against Luton, I am going to go Chelsea. Originally, I had a draw. And then after seeing how good Chelsea looked going forward with Broja up front, rather than Nicholas Jackson, I'm going to go with Chelsea. Ah, Broja did come off injured in that game, though. We'll see he if he did. plays. He did, so I might be leaning more towards the draw again. But I'm going to stick with Chelsea. I'm I'm going to I'm going to pick them, and you know, if they win another game, good for them. Speaking of not winning a game, we got <laughs> Manchester United against Brentford. Manchester United have been haphazard lately. They've lost four games out of seven this season, and Brentford haven't won any in their last five. United couldn't lose at home again, could they? Oh, of course they could. After watching them against Gal- I think I have United winning. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, part of me wants to pick draw. Change my answer. Go for it. While you're doing yeah, that. I'm going to pick Brentford, a draw. Brentford do look poor coming into this match. They but do. But I'll says, be honest, says, if I'm Brentford. You know what? I'm sticking with United. I'll stick with the shit team. Their shitty right. performances. They got... Hoy Lin, Hoy Lin. Yeah, he's gonna he might be up. the difference in this one. But I mean, United look ripe for the picking in this match, and Brentford must be licking their chops, especially Mbomo and Visa. I wouldn't count on it, man. I mean, Brentford are winless in their last five. I know this, but if United I'm Brent- have at least won some games, at least if I'm Brentford, I'm still licking my chops. Defensively, they look ripe for pickings. United does. Defensively, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go Brentford. Unless they listen to you play Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans at left back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. it might work. So maybe sometimes a good, maybe sometimes a shit. Kind of like the way Harry Maguire plays of late for Manchester United. So speaking of maybe goods, maybe shit, uh, Everton and Bournemouth. Oh, Everton. That is oh, the definition of you Will right we now. we see an Everton side that can score? Or the Everton side we've seen for about the last season and a half? I don't know, man. Ever- what Everton team are we going to get? I'll I'll say draw, because I-, I can't pick a winner. I mean, either way, I feel bad for anyone that watches this entire game. A part of me wants to lean towards Everton, because they're actually scoring goals. And that is why I picked Everton, but this is actually a relegation six pointer. So, as opposed to Chelsea and Burnley. <laughs> Next up, an interesting matchup as we have Crystal Palace against Nottingham Forest. And the big question is when will Michael Elise actually be back? Does anybody know? You've been asking that question for like three weeks now, man. Well, you said he was out for four weeks, and it should be sometime. It should be sometime this month. That's a big window. (laughs) It's the beginning (laughs) of October. (laughs) Well, you know how it is getting back into full fitness. Yeah, I I do get it, especially after a hamstring injury. But both teams have been having topsy turvy seasons so far. I mean, Palace has won two in their last five. Forest with one. Honestly, I think this one could go either way. Which is why I picked a draw. You know me and picking against Roy Hodgson, it never works out well. So 
because Palace are playing at Selhurst Park, I'm going with Palace. Kind of reneged. That's on me and Feyenoord in the Champions League. Yeah, Tired see? of picking Feyenoord wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Dutch team. Right. Next up, we have two teams who, well, one team who's got a new look midfield and is looking much better than last season. Another team flying high after beating PSG four to one in the Champions League. So we go to the London Stadium. We got West Ham against Newcastle. West Ham have impressed this season, but they come up against a Newcastle side who literally have outscored their opponents in their last six games, sixteen to one. They haven't let in a goal since mid-September, unless you count Lucas Hernandez. Yes, in the Premier League, not since mid-September oh, when okay, they lost to Brighton, but. Other than Part Lucas Hernandez, they so have. I, I know Newcastle is probably the smart pick to pick here, but I think maybe they have a little bit of a come down after that PSG high. Has a lot of emotions, especially Very at London Stadium. Uh, I'll pick Newcastle though. I think Newcastle are going to ride this wave, especially because the traveling fans for Newcastle usually travel pretty well. And West Ham at the London Stadium, I wouldn't necessarily say is the loudest stadium. They do have a good showing for fans, but I think if Newcastle get an early goal, it will be a rout. So I'm going to pick Newcastle. Long way to get there, but yeah, appreciate it. But we got to the end <laughs> of the road eventually. Next up, we have both teams with massive wins last weekend. Wolves beating Chelsea and Aston Villa absolutely curb stomping Brighton into First the first off, they beat Man City, not Chelsea. Wolves. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone's um, beating Chelsea. Not everyone's yeah. beating Man City. <laughs> that is true. They beat Manchester City, the champions. That's what I meant with the CH. Anyways, who cares? Too late for that. Yeah. So both teams coming off massive wins. Uh, at the time of this recording, Villa have not played their Europa Conference League match. They got a short turnaround, and I didn't look and see if they're playing at home or they have to travel. Either way, man, they still have just the better players. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, they come into this match having scored more than everybody above them in the table. Yeah, that is Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Manchester City. But the big question is, is the momentum from beating City big enough for Wolves to kick on and get a result out of this match? I think I'm going to go Villa. Yeah, I think Villa is going to win this one. Wolves don't stand a chance. I think Wolves stand a chance Even if they the keep it tight at the at the back. Yeah, I guess we'll see how their Villa's Conference League games go, but... I mean, and then obviously, you know, if we're comparing the Villa Brighton game, that was a completely different game. They were more looking on the counterattack, and I don't think they will in this one. We'll see. They haven't. Let's get to our. Yeah, let's get to our Fab Five games, man. Our Fab Four, however many we got. (laughs) It's our games to watch. The ones we're going to be watching. We'll start in Germany. We got Borussia Dortmund against Union Berlin. Both teams, I would say, are kind of underperforming right now especially Union Berlin 
But Dortmund have won three on the bounce, whereas yeah. Union have lost their last four. Coming off that tough loss to uh, Braga. Yeah. They've been leaking goals late, too. They can't seem to finish out a lead or a game. You know, Union, they got some good players. They got Bonucci, Robin Gosens on that left side. You know, he needs to really get them going, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Dortmund, they got Nicholas Fulkrug last se- this season. He was a uh, top scorer in the Bundesliga. Can he get going on some goals? Cause some problems? Which way you see this one going? Well, after seeing the way Union Berlin has been playing this season, I'm going with Dortmund with a win at home at Signal League Duna Park. I got to agree with you. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to Spain then. We have Atletico Madrid against Real Sociedad. Both teams coming off big wins here in the Champions League. Yeah, you know, it's a tasty affair. Kubo is looking good, man. Have you seen his latest celebration where he does the pulled hamstring and then does the twerk? The twerk, Hilarious. Yeah, yeah he, he needs to get a couple more twerks in there, but it's looking <laughs> good. If you guys haven't seen it, it was on our Instagram story, so you should be following us on there to see all the... Funny and, it, and great goals. And if uh, it disappeared before you see it, make sure you're uh, following us so that way you see it next time. That's right. Make your own fault. But Alvaro Morata, man, you think he pops up with another goal here? Yeah, I think so. I I I think Kubo gets one as well. Uh, I think this is going to okay. be a very close game. Who you got in this one? fireworks. You know what? I know I picked Real Madrid to be Atletico, and they made me look bad as they thumped Real Madrid. But I'm going to go against them again. (laughs) Real Sociedad and the style of play that they have has seriously impressed me this season. I know last season I went with them a lot as well. But Takafuzo Kubo, man, he every time he's on the ball is absolutely electric. And Brias Mendes is... Also, playing out of his skin. So I'm going to go with Sociedad in this one. I'm going to go for a draw, because I cannot pick a winner, man. They, like you said, they're both playing so well. It's difficult. I'm going draw. But we'll move over to England now, the Premier League. A couple big games there. We have Brighton, high-flying Brighton. Top goal scorers in the Premier League, Brighton. Against Liverpool. This one is at the Amex. Liverpool... They got some suspensions to deal with here. No Diego Jota, no uh, Curtis Jones. Yeah. We'll see how they do in the Europa League here. They haven't yeah, played both, the time of this both recording. Teams play on, uh, in the Europa League, before, you know, after this recording. Um, Does Matoma tear up that right side of Liverpool's with, is it going to be Trent? Is it going to be Joe Gomez? I, I think it's really going to be, yeah. I mean, it will probably decide the match, whoever starts. Because if it's Trent, I think Matoma tears him a new one. If it's Gomez, at least he holds him, you know, to, a, a, you know, he can at least play. Be, he's a proper defender. Let's go. A lot, a lot of words for a little answer. Um, yeah, I think that is going to be probably one of the deciding factors in this match is who does Liverpool decide to play on that right side. And then the other side, Estupinian yeah. against Salah. Estupinian had a terrible game last time out. 
and Mo Salah, one of the most consistent performers in Premier League history. Who you got? I'm going Brighton. I think the midfield, that's where I think it's going to be one. I don't think Liverpool without Curtis Jones. You know, obviously they'll have Sapotsaloy, they'll have McAllister, but who else is going to be in there? Cody Gakko I mean, came off injured. Yeah. Endo? Gravenberch? I mean, Gravenberch has been phenomenal when he's come on this season, but I would expect him to play in the Europa League match. So probably not starting. So I would expect it to be Endo probably. Or maybe they listen to me and play Trent there. Ooh, that's a thought. And then obviously they're going to have to start Darwin Nunez. So we'll see. The guy can miss chances. We'll see how clinical he is. And I, I just don't think Roberto De Zerbi lets his team play bad two games in a row. Historically, he has not. So you are correct. Um, and I think against a team like Liverpool, who are going to go toe-to-toe with Brighton. And Brighton have kind of been a little bit of Achilles heel for Liverpool here recently. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm going for I'm going with Brighton. And I know Brighton have been the Achilles heel of, well, pretty much every team above them in the table for a long time. Teams that go toe-to-toe with them seem yeah. to do bad. Um, but Jurgen Klopp, I think, has a fire lit under his butt after the whole VAR situation. And I think he's he's got a point to prove. And I think with that Liverpool attack, I don't necessarily think Darwin Nunes starts, but he probably comes off the bench after he starts in the Europa League. Well, who starts up there? If not, no, no Jota, no Gagpo. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe he's he got to start. It's going to be him, Luis Diaz and Mo Salah, man. Maybe he does. Um, but I'm still going to pick Liverpool in this one. As mo- as with most of my picks where I pick against Brighton, it'll probably bite me in the ass. But, you know. Well, this one will be fun. Yeah, it will be fun nonetheless. But let's get to the big game, man. The one you and I will be watching, praying, maybe covering our eyes a bit. We'll see. It is Arsenal against Manchester City. How is this one going to go, man? I mean... Some matchups to watch. City, you know, coming off a big win in the Champions League. Arsenal losing. The Saka play. Does John Stones play? He was looking like he was getting back to full fitness. I think we'll see Bernardo Bernardo Silva. Silva. Yeah. I mean, I mean, history dictates that this will go one way, right? Manchester City have absolutely dominated Arsenal in the Premier League of late. Can Arsenal turn their fortunes around? I mean, this is a Manchester City squad that is beat up. They're without Rodri, who is their best player, arguably, as far as who makes the biggest difference in their squad. They did come off a big win, but both teams are traveling midweek. Arsenal have a day extra to rest. Does that make a difference for Bukayo Saka? I don't know. He's 50-50 for this one. Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, though, does this result, is it match-defining? Or, sorry, season-defining? Or does it, in the grand scheme of things, because it's so early, not mean a lot? I mean, well, I mean, if you look at it statistically, you know, points-wise, no, it probably won't. But if you look at, you know, momentum-wise, 
For Arsenal, I think it could be. For Man City, I don't think it is. If Man City loses this game, I still think they could. I mean, they're they can come back and win it. Yeah. If Arsenal lose this game, I think they would have a tougher time with that bouncing back and getting a good run of form to then win the league. Yeah, because they'd be four points behind City at that point. That's it's not impossible. I mean, we saw City. Oh, it's it's not. Arsenal were what eight points up last season, so eleven at one point. And so, having said that, though, with Bernardo Silva coming back, the possibility of John Stones coming back, Jeremy Doku, man, he could eat Ben White up. He's so quick. I don't think Ben White has the pace to keep up with him. I think I see this going City's way. Wow. Changed your answer. I did. Okay, well, before I get to my answer, I'm going to go with a couple of matchups that might decide this game. And you already hit on the Jeremy Doku situation, right? He is lightning in a bottle. He's going to have a lot of space on that right side. Is he playing on the left these days? I don't he plays know. on the left. Okay. Well, either way, he's going to find a lot of space because Ben White likes to get up. And he's going to run past Ben White all game. We've seen what Ben White does against faster players. It's not great. He caused problems for this Arsenal defense as they try to keep Erling Holland quiet. So he will definitely get a few opportunities. But the one that will really make the difference in this match, I think, is Gabriel Jesus. He's got a history of not showing up for really big matches. His opportunity. This is his opportunity to stick it to his former side. But, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it last season. He kind of just disappears. So can he get one over on his former side? I think if he has a good performance, Arsenal win this match. If he doesn't, Arsenal will not score at all in this game. So I'm going to go if Saka starts and is healthy, I will pick Arsenal to win this game. If he does not, I will go with the draw. I think what Artet, you know... (laughs) Again, I think Arteta is going to try to go toe to toe with City. Oh yeah, and they're, they're they're just not good enough. I mean, you got to look at what Wolves did as mm. almost a blueprint. To I will beat City. add. I will add. Thomas Partey is back and healthy. Don't think it matters. Okay. I was, I mean, especially if Kai Havertz is starting in that midfield, man. No, you're right. But I, I. I <laughs> I want to say I have a gut feeling that he's not going to, but then again, every time I've said that, he's started. So. <laughs> so that will definitely be one to watch. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, recapping the Champions League, some of the VAR news that came out, the recordings, and of course, previewing the Premier League. Make sure you guys follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Join our Facebook group, get in on the conversations. Make sure to like subscribe our youtube channel check out the Redbubble account get the merch it helps us keep doing this we love doing this it's fun and on that note man cheers cheers